This is Andy. I'm a midwife. Hi, this is Jaylen, and I'm also one of the midwives at Holistic Heritage Home Birth, and welcome to Midwife Monday. Yes, welcome to Midwife Monday. We had a great weekend. Open house was amazing. It was. It was a sweat fest. But it was still amazing. It was so fun. We are so humbled by all the people that came out to see us, past clients, clients that are going to have another baby that we just found out that day. And it was a beautiful day. It was. And it was really nice. We don't often get to show our families what we do and where we do it. Or do they get to meet and see people who we've supported? And I think it makes a difference in how they receive what we do. Yes. And that was really special to me. All my family came out. All your family came out. It was really nice. Yeah, it was really nice. I agree. And we also had babies. We had babies. Um, I don't know if this happens in a lot of practices or not, but one of the most beautiful things that I see in birth is when moms receive their own baby. Mm -hmm. Like when we don't have any hands-on and they're guiding their baby out and they're the first person that touches their baby. And I'm seeing this as our practice grows and I think as we grow as midwives that we're, I'm seeing this a lot more than I did earlier in my practice. And I just find it so beautiful that sure. they're the first ones. In one of our births, too, the baby had a cord around the neck, and the mom unwrapped the cord, did the whole thing, and afterwards, she's sitting there holding your baby. She goes, what's the big deal about a cord around the neck? Which is what we say all the time, right? We see it all the time. Um, that was not a big deal at all. No, it really isn't. It's a, if it's a big deal, it's going to present itself much earlier than right. the birth itself. When it's a big deal, it's a really big deal. Right. But typically... It's not a big deal. Yeah, so they were beautiful. Also had quite the adventure with my cat this week. Oops. Y'all, so I have a daughter who loves animals. And she has a farm sanctuary that she's just getting up and running and bedies. And, and she got all these stupid cats, and so I end up with a cat. Y'all, the cat is beautiful and regal and majestic. Coloring is just amazing, but he's a needy little, so not independent like most cats are, like he's up our butt all the he's time. He's your wife and everything. So anyways, I don't find him that enjoyable because he's bratty. And I've had kind of a long weekend. We had two bursts, overnight bursts, and I'm kind of tired, and Sunday I'm finally just relaxing. I sit down in my favorite chair to have breakfast. He has a new name, mm -hmm. MF Cat. Oh, he's really sorry. He just jumps right over the back of the chair and lands right in my plate. I haven't even taken a bite yet of my food. Lands right in the my plate of homemade corned beef hash and eggs. It was so beautiful. I was so excited about what the whole plate just flips over, over easy eggs with the yolks running everywhere. I would have eaten it anyway. It's all over the floor. I, it. I mean, no, yeah. no. Oh yes, I am. Y'all, in my day-to-day -day conversation, I really don't cuss at all. But when I'm excited, eh, some words come out. And my husband goes, dang, Jalen, that was creative even for you. <laughs> So the MF cat did now, not care. He didn't care at all. My dogs really loved it because they got free corned beef hash and eggs that were 
all over the floor. Everywhere. They cleaned up the mess. I'm so sorry. Nice. You did work hard. You had deserved that. And you I didn't did. get it. I did. Dang, cat. At least they don't put their exposed butthole on it. You know, it's interesting to me that cats are made, really lots of animals. Can you imagine if that's how we walked around? Because we have cheeks that cover our buttholes. Yeah. So nobody really knows unless you show them. But animals, no. you know what's up right away. And yeah. they sit on you. Actually, they put their butthole on you. They do. And he likes to walk by you and really just put his butt in your face all the time. Yeah. And he's like on us all the time. I've never seen such a needy cat in I my life. I have a feeling that, that Bridget and Ted helped him to become that. Because oh, they no. are so loving and like they are. nurturing. Oh, yeah. No, all, our animals are leeches. They'll take anything from you. And Ted feeds them all the time right See? off of his plate. And everything. Oh, yeah, I was cursing him, too. It's not your fault these animals are obsessed when we're eating. Because he feeds them everything. It's awful. I'm and sorry. He has, he has a new name, MF Cat. You have to get the collar. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And usually we put him to bed at night because he's a brat all night long and he knocks things over. So he has his own dedicated room that he sleeps in at night. Um, and Ted's like, here, take the cat to bed. Put the cat to bed. I'm off. No, I'm not touching that cat. I still haven't touched him since. I'm still not at him. No. Maybe you'll make he's up MF. today. No, he's MF cat. <laughs> I'm so mad. <laughs> Anyways, that is not a great lead into today's topic, which is so interesting. This is so. It's actually two of my most favorite things to talk about. One is sex, of course, and then. Really to think about what is going on biologically, chemically. Yeah. Um, and I didn't want to focus on the parts that are everyone's favorites. Of course, everyone wants to talk about the arousal phase and everyone wants to talk about the climax part or even what's going on during sex. And nobody really ever wants to talk about the neurochemistry of what happens after sex. And the fancy Nancy word is poised coital. And I actually did that for my friends because the word coitus, how abrasive is that word? You didn't get some braces? Oh, Jay, I knew you were going to like that word. Because <laughs> can you imagine being like dancing with somebody? But mm, 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 mm. you want to get some coitus on, boy? That is so gross. Oh, I don't think it's gross. I think Co it's kind of funny. It's if nobody wants to have coitus. Nobody wants. <laughs> nobody wants to so have what do you coitus. Want? Is it the F word? Yeah, what well, it is. Yeah, I think there's room for all of those. And I think there's room for funny ones, but coitus it's is just like, oh no, I imagine the person that wants coitus to have a drop of spit that goes from their top lip to their bottom lip what and goes back and forth. What did I say to the girls the other week that no one knew what I meant either? What was the word I used? And it was for sex too. Um, oh, it'll come to me in a minute, but they went, what's that mean? Or like, even the word we were talking about when we brought up, when I was writing this, like the word fellatio or cunnilingus. Yeah. Ew, don't come at me going, you want some cunnilingus? No, I don't. Find another word and then I'll say yes. Don't come at me saying it, it coitus. Ew. Well, I don't know that anyone uses it in the day-to-day language, but it is in textbooks or it is in, well, it's not in any, like, fiction books. Stories, you know, that word. It's not sexy well, I don't at all. Gross, though. I find it abrupt. There is a start and a stop. It is coitus. It, there's like, 
But people don't get offended by it. Don't you think it's interesting the words people get offended by? Oh, absolutely. Because really it's a perception in your mind of an emotion that it brings forth. Mm -hmm. But when you use the word coitus, of course, coital, it makes it, it adds a clinical sounding, clinical adjective to something that you feel instead of a clinical point of view. That's a better way to say that what I just said. Right. So it sounds very <laughs> clinical and impersonal, but that's probably why it's less offensive because it's not attached to any feeling. I like Where the feelings. other words have feelings that people get attached to, and you never know which word's going to offend somebody because everyone's got a different emotion attached to all the different words. Like, you don't like the P word, and I'm like, I don't know which one I'm starting word. to like it at the, at the right time. Yeah, and I and and I'm like, I don't know why that finds she finds that offensive. Like, I don't find it offensive at all. But to you, it invokes an emotion that you well, used to be offended by. What I what I didn't love about it initially was that I think vaginas, labia, everything's like so beautiful, so magical, like ripe fruit, and it's just lovely. It's everything right. right in the world, right? And then when you put this stamp, the p word at, at the wrong time, it makes it sound like hairy and foul and gross but that was something going on in my brain now i think of it more of a powerful word yeah it's i just find it fascinating and i also wonder why like when we add adjectives for men's genitalia they never get offended like whatever if you call it's them, always powerful if you call them the d word they're like yeah i am <laughs> like they just don't care Right? Yeah. But so, all the different adjectives they have for women, we're like, why are you, why are you making it that way? But it's also meant, you know, like when you, people use that word, you play ball like a girl. Girls play ball great. Right. Like, why is that a derogatory? But it is meant to be a put down. When somebody calls somebody a pee, it's meant that they're weak when actually right. vaginas are quite strong. Yeah, I get right. offended at the that, too. The connotation that they're saying it with is wrong, but it's because we give that word power and let it be strong. Right. We should be so it's funny you bring that up because we kept we talked about this a little bit the other night, and my husband always says, like, the most foul things to say that he wants to be with me. He'd be like, yeah, girl, you going to let me lay that pipe? I'm like, ew, yes. <laughs> But it, it it just came to my attention again that men have all these really great ways to describe what they're going to do to us. It is it is an action going to be taken versus when we're saying it, it's something that we're going to receive and it's going to happen to us. Where are the and I think we've talked about yeah. this before. Where is the language for women where we're saying this is what I'm going to do? Right. We need to find that. Now that's a good lead into our there topic we go. today. <laughs> Laying pipe. Laying pipe. Okay, so like I said, poiscoidal just means after sex. Neurochemistry just means what kind of chemicals are happening in our brain, in our neurons, right? And this is where two things that are fantastic meet: sex and science. Right. right. And if you guys don't know what a neuron is, we'll just keep going back and forth. On yeah. That. These are the little nerve cell messengers in the whole body that tells us how to do everything, whether we're breathing, um, going to the bathroom, moving our arms. It's a whole messenger system, and it's fast. It is fast. Uh, it's a superhighway. And you can actually see it. It's, it's faster than lightning when you yes. look at it. 
So our hormones are the slow messenger system, and our neurons are our lightning fast messenger system. Um, It's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. And like I said earlier, we know so much about the arousal phase and what hormones are happening there, both for men and women. And we know so much about the like the orgasm part because those are the things that are interesting. Where this postcoital, this after we've done the deed. it's a little bit more mysterious, but we are learning more and more and more. You know, people, oh, he always falls asleep afterwards, or oh, I'm always energetic afterwards. And everybody's a little bit unique in that. And it's hormones that are behind it. And that's what we're going to talk about. What what chemicals are happening? What hormones are happening? And to understand what happens after, we do have to spend just a minute on talking about what happens during the orgasm. Okay. Um, is that this part? Yeah. So when we orgasm, our brain becomes flooded with dopamine in our reward pathways that are in the limbic system. That's in our brain, y'all. And it feels so intensely pleasurable that it looks just like a heroin rush in the brain, um, producing intense feelings and well-being. That's why we get addicted to sex. Right. Right. And that's exactly what it's talking about there is those same reward pathways that are ignited and firing off those lightning bolts that I was talking about earlier is the same pathways that get ignited with drugs. So just the way we can be addicted to drugs, it's not that you're really addicted to the drug. You're addicted to that hormone that happens afterward. You're addicted to that. Right. Then it becomes more of an addiction. You're addicted to the pathway, the pleasure And sometimes, we're not talking about men and women here, but sometimes I feel like that's why some women don't have the sex drive if they're not getting the orgasm that's that's causing the The addiction, the pleasure pathway. Um, So you can understand why someone like, well, why are we doing that? Well, you're not getting the pleasure pathway. You're not getting the hormone that comes from the orgasm that is like a drug. So that is why we see sexual addiction, Mm -hmm. and we also see sexual withdrawal. Because you want that pleasure. You you want that dopamine hit. So that's the first little chemical, dopamine. Yeah. And, and why does it drop? And is that this part? I think so. I think we just covered all that. Okay. So it drops because it, it really is a biological thing. And we'll talk about what's happening. But it has to drop because if dopamine didn't drop, we would literally be walking around humping complete strangers on the sidewalk, right? We can't walk around in a constant state of pleasure or arousal because um, we would never get anything done. Nope. <laughs> so we have to have the drop off of dopamine in that in that chemistry so that we can then go on being human beings and eat and go to the bathroom and take care of ourselves and work and take care of our children. Well, I didn't realize until you brought all this up was that prolactin plays a role because usually I always thought prolactin as just for breast milk. Yeah. Right? That's really, but really it's another hormone that comes in full force right after that orgasm and it inhibits the dopamine reaction. That's what allows you to come down while we're not humping all day long. (laughs) Yay! Like dogs. Dogs are all day long. Yeah, and it does curtail the sex drive. And I have seen that in other cases where sometimes if we can't get pregnant, if our prolactin levels stay at an elevated level, Um, which would make sense if your prolactin levels are high, why you wouldn't want sex. Right. And it's actually pretty cool because the same way after you've eaten and finally the chemicals in your stomach and brain have talked to each other and said, you're satiated, that's enough. 
That's what prolactin does. It right. says you're satiated. That's enough. And prolactin, it doesn't for most, but it can last up to two weeks. And that's why women can go, if they've had an orgasm, they can go for two weeks without needing sex again because women produce more prolactin than men do. Right. And that's why one of the biggest complaints we get all the time after women have their babies is they don't have any sex drive. Well, that's because your prolactin levels are really high and you're breastfeeding your baby. So you're sexually satiated. You're sexually satiated, and you're, that's why. Which is really kind of mean for their spouses because they're like, we're ready to go. And you're like, whatever. And and it's really unfair, too, to continue because the dopamine and the prolactin act inversely. So when one is high, the other one's low. And when one is low, the other's high. So you're satiated, and you don't have the happy hormone, the dopamine right. rush. Yeah. That's not fair. It's not fair. Not, not fair at all. Um, the other thing that happens with orgasm is it reduces androgen, right? And androgen is the sex hormone. We all have our own sex hormones, but they're all called androgen, whether we're boys or girls. And it there is a receptor circuit for androgen. And what happens is that, that circuit, the density changes, and it reduces the density. And what all that means is that the androgens or sex hormones, those receptors, they are available typically to accept the sex hormone. But when the receptor circuit is lowered, they're not available to receive sex hormone. And when you think of receptors, think of like keyholes to doors. All of our cells have these keyholes in them that certain hormones, receptors, androgen, dopamine, they all need a space to go. And that's what she's talking about. So either there's a key in the hole to fill the receptor or there's something blocking it. Right. And and when something's blocking it, you can't activate dopamine levels. So then you don't have that arousal. You don't have the orgasm. You stay in a level of like, meh. Yeah. Womp, womp. Um, and then we really do need more research on after sex neurochemistry. That's just the truth of it. It's not interesting. Nobody wants to talk about it. Um, and it's not really documented. There's not data. But we do know that there's brain activity going on, and we do know a little bit about it. For example, there was a study uh, conducted immediately after orgasm in men. They're showing that the, I'm going to say this wrong, but the amygdala, mm -hmm. the, the temporal lobe, and the septal areas are all activated right after sex. And they've also documented that hypersexuality in people with lesions of those three areas um, have interesting refractory periods. So, so all that to say, because that was super Steve Urkely, all that to say is we see those lightning bolts going off in those areas of people's brain, right? When sexual activity is happening in those three areas. But when people have lesions in those three areas, this isn't happening like that. Um, they're not having arousal. They're not having orgasms and they're not having those postcortal neurochemistry functioning. Mm -hmm. So we know that the brain is highly involved in sex. I wonder how they get lesions there. Um, injury. Traumatic um, brain injury. Yeah. Injury, dementia. And this is why sometimes mm -hmm. we see sexual arousal and orgasm functioning drop um, when we age because of the lesions. Aww. I know. Um, and and I think that the research is cool because it shows that the after part of sex is highly important. It shows that our body is reacting still. So we don't we don't have sex and we receive semen and then we all get up and it's over. 
our body is still working to do the things that it needs to do really to continue population and to procreate. So biologically somewhere in time, and there's so many theories on this, but there is a reason why men fall asleep afterwards. Possibly it's because women need that nurturing part where the guy stays afterwards and he lays with us and cuddles Mm -hmm. and him falling asleep allows him to stay. And why is a woman more, a little bit more alert afterwards? There has to be a biological reason. There's too many theories even to cover, but that would be a really cool midwife Monday. Um, So uh, I thought I just made three little notes. Uh, Neuroendocrine. We need to make sure that we're fulfilled, relaxed, and to rest, to be productive, uh, and not have sex 24-7. So that is the endocrine system. We need to make sure our endocrine system is highly functioning or those things aren't going to align, and that has to do with thyroid. That's some, sometimes when your thyroid's out of whack, that's why we see a decrease in libido hmm. because these neurochemistry triggers can't be happening. Um, dopamine dips from its orgasmic high. I think that's cool. Prolactin and androgen step in to produce feelings of satiety. Remember I said that earlier? And a sense of being pleased or to make sure we have a break at least for a while. So these things have to happen for us to be functioning human beings. So why do men fall asleep after sex? There's a chemical reason. They do. It is because of prolactin. We also know that sex hormone, oxytocin, comes to play. So oxytocin tells the stress hormones, cortisol, to hush it up. That's why sex is good for stress. Those two law, those two along with vasopressin are released during the male orgasm. And those three chemicals, the oxytocin, the vaso, um, cortisol, and the vasopressin, those three chemicals like to date melatonin. And we all know what that one does. It's a body, it's a body's hormone to make us sleep. And these little chemical dance and put dudes right to sleep. Yep. Oh. And I know. And I always used to get mad, but now I get it. Like he can't help it. I wish my melatonin would go up. I know, and there's a reason ours don't. Why well, don't ours? So some of it's biological theory, but some of it is true science and based on the chemistry. And it really has to do with the orgasm. So when you have an orgasm, you you tend to fall asleep because it turns down all those adrenaline hormones. Right. Right? So when we're in arousal and when we climax or about to climax, our adrenaline is at a high, which is like the boop, 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 boop. And then when we go ahead and orgasm, all of that drops down and we can go to sleep. But most women do not climax with every intercourse. And this happens differently for different people depending on their chemistry. For some, it hyperactivates them and they'll be up for two or three hours after an orgasm. And for others, it puts them to sleep just like men. And both are normal. Yeah, I'm awake. I'm awake, too. Sometimes I will make a decision on whether or not I'm going to have sex at a certain point in the night. Yeah. Because I go, I cannot be up for another two, three hours. Yeah. Aww. Same. Same. No laying pipe. (laughs) (laughs) So that's it. If you have any questions or you have cool stories or if this made sense to you, shoot us a comment. We'd like to talk to you guys. And I think we won't be doing Midwife Monday next week. But we'll catch up soon. Um, maybe yeah, actually in a town. month. Yeah, I'm going to town. Gonna be gone. I'm going to Europe. Going on a big trip. She's going to topless sunbathe in France. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and Ted's going to lay pipe on the beach. <laughs> All right. See you guys next time. Bye.